0: And welcome everyone to another episode of the Developing Up Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Miles, and this is the podcast focused on the non-technical side of being a developer because your career is about more than the code you write. So if you call yourself a programmer, a developer, a script kitty, a database administrator, uh, a technologist, a technical architect, Whatever you call yourself, if it's your job to write code, this is the podcast for you. And to all the new listeners out there, I want to say welcome. Thanks for joining us. And for all the repeat listeners, hey, thanks for coming back and listening to another episode. And this is episode 25, that's 2-5, and the show notes for this episode are going to be available at developingup.com slash 2-5. But it's also the first episode of season 2, and it's really exciting to be back from the summer break and between season 1 and season 2 and start producing new episodes. And if you've listened to season 1 at all, you're going to notice some differences between season 1 and season 2. And I want to talk about those just for a couple moments before getting into the content of this episode. So the first change is... No co-host this season. It's just me, your host, Mike Miles. Uh, Jake's moved on to bigger or better things, and I wish him the best. Also this season, since it's just me, I didn't feel it would be beneficial for everyone listening just to hear my single point of view and development and how to build up your career. I'm no one special. I'm just another developer like you. So I decided to open source this season. And by that, what I mean is I'm sitting down every episode with other developers and having conversations about development that's not centered around technology. So topics you're used to hearing on this podcast, but just sitting down with real world developers and getting their insights from their background and their experiences. And then finally, a major difference, because it is just me, it's not going to be a new episode every other week. It's going to be one new episode every month. The reason for that is logistics. I want to produce a certain level of quality episodes for everyone listening, and I can't promise that on such a tight schedule. I need that time. So it's going to be one new episode a month, but they're going to be really great episodes, and I hope there's going to be a lot of takeaways for everybody. So for this first episode of Season 2, I sat down with Jim Fisk and Stephanie Luz of Janku. Uh, it's a web design and tech consulting company that they run out of Massachusetts. And it stands for, I love this, stands for Just Another Name to Call Us. So you can find them at Janku.com That's J-A-N-T-C-U.com. So we just sat down and we had a conversation about what it means to take risks as a developer and why it's important. So we're going to listen now to that conversation we had. And then afterwards, I'll come back and we can distill it to a few questions key points uh, and takeaways. So here is me talking with Jim and Stephanie. I'm here with Jim Fisk and Stephanie Luz. Hello. I mean, that's hey. how you say yeah. Of Janku, just another name to call us. Yeah, yeah, how's it going? Great, I'm, I'm so glad you guys could come be on the podcast. And today we're talking about risks as development and in, in development. Uh, Let's start off, Jim, we were talking before this, and you had some great ideas of what risk means for developers.
1: Yeah. Risk is really just a catalyst for growth, in my opinion. It's really the only way to become a better developer and kind of expand your career over time. Sometimes these risks are really small and imperceptible. Sometimes they're larger and they're something that you contemplate over time. But really, the only way to get from A to B is through a series of risks, I believe. So
0: anything you do almost as a developer in your career as a developer is a risk point. Like you make a decision of what technology you're going to use or what framework you're going to choose. And that's a risk for that project or your career, but it takes you the next step to make the next risky decision.
1: Yeah, exactly. The only thing that kind of is like not risky is just staying the same way that you are. And if you do that, then you're not really going to go anywhere further in your career or learning new things to invest in yourself.
0: Yeah, that's something I was thinking about for this conversation because we've mentioned on the podcast before, like stagnating as a developer and yeah. not growing. And that's a risk in itself, a risk of stagnating by not trying new things. So,
2: Not trying to develop your skills is taking a risk, but also branching out and trying different things is a risk of its own. As developers, you wonder, is it good for me to stick with one particular technology and really get good at that and that's the only thing you do or should you branch off and kind of become you know like a jack of all trades master of none that presents its own risks Mm
0: -hmm. does yeah and i think that goes beyond development too with the anything for anybody's career focusing or being too broad are both risky
1: yeah
2: Mm -hmm.
1: i think you know Risk, um, like anything in life, it's, it's a balancing act, right? You don't want to go too far to either extremes because that's where the risk is the greatest. And really what you want to do is kind of just kind of calculate the, the worst case scenarios and the rewards that you want to get with your risk. And only by quantifying those can you actually like make an informed decision about how you want to pursue a risky endeavor. So why it's important to take
0: risk as a developer is to prevent stagnation, to maybe learn something new and figure or figure out what you want to focus on. And it, it helps you grow,
1: I guess is what we're saying yeah. overall. Yep. And I think, you know, that that's kind of brings me to something we were talking about before we started recording, Mike, was just the difference between over and covert risks. So I think people are in general are, are really good at measuring and understanding overt risks that are things like if you took money out of a 401k to invest into something, that's like an overt risk that's very easy to quantify. Um, people would probably tell you not to do it because it's so risky. But I think people don't really see these these implicit risks all the time where basically something happening over a long time period would actually end up being risky. So inaction is, is an example of something that is kind of covert risk, right? So by not doing something, by not acting, by not investing yourself or... Maybe it's changing a job or learning a new skill. It's not risky right now. You can continue doing what you're doing status quo, but over time you may find, you know, ten years down the road, you're not where you want to be, and that's a risk in itself. What is it? Overt risk and covert risk? Yeah, these are terms I've applied to it. I think um you could call it explicit and implicit risk as well. All right. Interesting.
0: I when you were telling me about those, I thought it was I didn't even think about that in terms of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So overt is more like it's easy to visualize and quantify. Yeah, Convert is more like under the radar, hard to maybe notice
1: that you're taking that sort of risk. Exactly. I would say overt risk is probably what people just call risk. It's, you know, when you're doing something that has a potential downside or an upside. So, you know, exposing yourself to vulnerability in any sort of way is a risk. But the whole point is you're hoping that you have some kind of gain coming from that. Covert risk, on the other hand, is a little more subtle. So it's kind of like the boiled frog phenomenon. Have you ever heard this term before? The idea is uh, if you put a frog in a frying pan and you slowly turn up the heat on it, it won't jump out of the frying pan because it can't perceive the small differences in temperature over time. It will just go, it will sit in the frying pan all the way till it boils. Now, if you were to throw a frog into an already hot frying pan, it would notice the difference in temperature and hop out immediately. So a covert risk is kind of, sitting there and letting yourself boil over time without realizing that by not pursuing these riskier ventures, you are actually taking a risk in and of itself. So so an example of a big risk in my mind would be quitting a job to go back to school. That's uh, a risk I think in a lot of cases is worth taking because you're investing in yourself and you're trying to grow over time. But by not doing something and investing in yourself is also a risk. But I think people only see it being a risk by changing the status quo.
0: I would say in thinking about it, what In terms of development, the overt risks could be, say, for example, choosing if on a project a brand new framework or language you've never worked with before. That's a very overt risk, where you know the reward could be great because you could build something awesome, or you could fail spectacularly because you don't know what you're doing.
1: Exactly.
0: Or where a covert risk could be almost the opposite of using the same uh, methodology, say, for every project, where every project has different requirements, where you don't know what problems that's going to cause later down the line, if you're just making the same type of architectural decisions or uh, design decisions, and you're just missing out new challenges that could produce better work. That's, That's a
1: perfect example. So choosing the same framework that you're used to, you could be risking not choosing the right framework for the project. You could be risking continuing using a technology that is kind of coming up on an end of life just because you have a fear of learning something new. So it carries its own risk, but it seems like on the outset, it seems like the the safer choice, right? So it's, oh, sticking with what I know, continuing something I've done many, many times, but you're not really evaluating the risks appropriately if you're only looking at the kind of over, like easy to quantify risk. And that
0: hits what we mentioned earlier of
1: stagnating.
2: right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, yeah. if
0: you're doing that, you're going to stagnate and just repeat the same thing, and you're not going to grow or challenge yourself, which is, I think, a big reward for from risks is being able to challenge yourself and overcome those
1: challenges. Yeah. So in my mind, like there's a whole sliding scale of of risk behaviors, right? So it goes anywhere from something small. Like I would actually consider things like asking somebody for help on a development task uh, a risk because you, you risk, you know, looking like you're maybe not like smart or you don't understand kind of the technology that you're getting paid professionally to do, which is always kind of hard. At least in my experience, it was teaching somebody something new is a risk. You know, again, you can expose your own kind of limitations of what you know. Trying new techniques and just new things in your code is always kind of a risk. And then there's a whole like host of, of larger risks, like like Mike said, um, choosing a whole new framework that you're unsure of for a big project that has real you know financial consequences and things. I think that's a, a big risk. Like I said earlier, quitting your job, going back to school, that's a big risk. Reaching out to somebody that you idolize in the dev community to be a mentor, that, that has, has a risk of its own. Um, of embarrassment, uh, if they, you know, if they don't want to mentor you. Um, so I think like, I would consider just basically anything that's out of your comfort zone is is kind of a, a risk in and of itself.
0: I really latch on to the idea of imposter syndrome that you brought up and being willing to ask for help. And in season one, we had an episode where we talked about being able to ask for help and how important it is for development. So there is that risk you're bringing up. Being embarrassed. Wearing that, what people are going to think about you because maybe you're supposed to be the expert, sure. or you know, worried how people look up to you. But the risk of asking for that help and the solution you get for that is way more beneficial than not asking, not taking that chance, and then not failing, but not producing what you need to
1: produce. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny in my own experience. So Mike, Mike, and Stephanie and I are all part of a Drupal community. And I know when I was first in that community, I think you know going to meetups and speaking to begin with is a risk of its own. But like I know when I first entered that community, I was very kind of shy about my skill level, and it, it caused me to be a little more isolated than you know I am now. And the funny thing is, like it, it's obvious that a new person in a community would know less. But at the time, I I still was scared of exposing my ignorance. So now that I've been in here for a number of years, I, I'm more comfortable showing that I'm ignorant all the time. I'm asking, you know I ask about new things all the time. Uh, People from a variety of backgrounds always have something new to tell me. People who have just joined the community often can teach me something new. So I know that I have increased kind of the velocity of my learning and development by asking more questions and not being afraid to look silly. And if you can get comfortable with that, I think you have a lot of of potential benefit.
0: And that's an interesting way to perceive it for those who you may be nervous about asking for help, but if you do that, you're actually you could be helping the people right. who you're asking. Like you're you just brought up, you know, now when new people in the community are asking questions that you may know the answer to, mm-hmm. it changes the way you're thinking about things and they may raise issues that you never thought about in your career before. Yeah. And that's one of the great things of asking for help and taking that risk.
1: I remember this one time we were doing a a Drupal core code sprint, and I think I hope I'm not getting the story a little confused, but I'm pretty sure WebChick was up and like in the front of like the room doing some kind of like git merge or something like that and Webchick, if people who aren't familiar um, with the drupal community is a like a very prominent figure who does a lot of core contributing and like mentoring and has been around the drupal community for a long time and a lot of people uh look up to as like a kind of like a strong figure in, in drupal and i remember her she was saying that she didn't know how to do like a really simple git command that like probably like the majority of the room knew how to do and I remember thinking it was really funny because she was not even the slightest embarrassed by it Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, so somebody that is this knowledgeable and this kind of like high on the the pecking order can admit that she doesn't know this silly git command and like it doesn't mean she doesn't know a lot about development. Um, There's always going to be like little blind spots throughout, you know, your development career because there's just so many different things to learn. And I don't think it like really, you know, in anyone's head brought her down as a developer at all. Um, So it's really cool to see that kind of gave me more confidence to say, okay, and maybe she just did that to give people confidence. But uh, I know it kind of like added added confidence to me to say, oh, I can expose that I don't know certain things.
0: I, I would say it almost even adds to your, how people perceive you as a developer, like good developers ask for help. Yeah. Good developers take those risks in being able to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Can somebody help me out here? Yeah. I would say it's, it's not good for your development career if you don't ask for those things. It's, it's interesting that this conversation is really centering around asking for help and taking those risks. And yeah. I really think about it now that that's a really important part of your development career is, is taking those risks. And Stephanie, you were talking about earlier, um, like you and Jim have started up a, a new group in our lo- local community mm-hmm. with new technologies and the risks behind like taking those steps to do that.
2: Right, so uh, Janku, I think, really focuses on Drupal work, but I think just sticking to one technology can keep you from exploring other avenues, maybe finding a better fit for other clients. So we've really explored Jamstack, which. Uh, so what
0: does Jamstack stand for?
2: <laughs> it's uh, can you, you it's can it uh, yeah. yeah, it's a JavaScript. <laughs> Uh, api API's and markdown, markdown um kind of framework so the i guess the whole the whole point what janku trying to do is we're diversifying and that alone that brings down your risk part of being a developer you want to make sure that your client's getting the best right yeah, and whoever I mean, your
0: client is if right if, you know if you build a product for your company your company is a client if you You do client-based work, then obviously you have clients who pay for what you want to do. If you work for yourself, then you're your own client.
2: Exactly, yeah. And I mean, if you only know one technology, you only it's like having only red Legos. You can build everything with red Legos, but maybe, well, green Legos wouldn't probably help you better, but (laughs) it wouldn't help you. But what I'm saying is, you know, having different tools in your kit Mm -hmm. are going to allow you to build the better product for whoever you're dealing with.
0: Especially in development. Um, And it makes me think about how fast technology changes, especially where the three of us work in web technologies. And it's like, if you take JavaScript, for example, every week there's like a new JavaScript framework. Not that you need to learn every single thing as a developer, but being able to diversify, like you said, Stephanie, Mm -hmm. and and split it up covers your bases so that when that new major technology changes, even if you don't know it you're more apt to be able to learn it and pick it up faster because you're in your free time or just at work you're being able to experiment
1: with with different things and not just focusing in one area that kind of gets into why we we started looking into jamstack in the first place it it really was born out of a need we didn't we didn't go from the technology back to the need we didn't see JamSec and say this is so exciting i want to get on it we actually had a need with a lot of our, our smaller clients who can't really afford big implementations of, of large software and they they want a site that is is beautiful and engaging and they want something with low maintenance and and honestly if it is a risk to take the tool that we're familiar with and try to make every project fit into that kind of framework yeah, if so if yeah. your only
0: tool is a hammer every problem's a nail so, yeah, exactly. So then, that's
1: yeah. exactly and uh, drupal is a great hammer right like drupal can hit almost any project from custom software to simple websites to you know everything in between so we, we said, okay, for these type projects, Drupal is not right. So what is right? And that's where we started looking around. And we found Jamstack and we found a community behind that. And hopefully we're, we're doing the right thing. But, you know, it's a risk like anything else.
0: So taking that risk of diversifying um, and Stephanie, like you were saying, trying different technologies and new tools, not only does that benefit you as a developer, but then you may find other communities of developers who can help back you up. And we've mentioned a number of times on the podcast, you know, development's the ultimate team sport. (laughs) Uh, So the more teams you're on, the more support you have and the more you can rely on to grow yourself and you just don't have to do it. Like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You can turn and ask those questions for help and not be afraid to ask for help because if one group makes fun of you, you can turn to the other group you have and get support from them.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I think meetups are so important because you really want to build up that community so you can have that support right so jamstack uh we've been steadily getting more members and part of getting yourself involved with open source technology just to touch on that is you you have to put in an investment Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to invest in the community and that's the only way that everybody's going to benefit and, and
0: that can be a a risky, quote unquote, risky investment. Can, especially
2: yeah. as a small company, right. as an individual, it can be very risky. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So let's finish this up. Let me ask each of you, what would be your one piece of advice you have for risk with for developers?
1: Yeah, this I'm going to wrap in a couple of points points and I'm going to call sure. it one piece of advice sure. if that works. If you are assessing risk and you're balancing risk and reward, you want to know the type of person that you are. So... You have to understand your threshold for loss and gain. Um, And only then can you really kind of decide which risks are worth taking. Another thing you want to do is you want to clearly quantify and define the outcomes that you want. So don't just say, I want to be a better developer, determine what exactly what that looks like, and then you can know if a a benefit is worth the potential loss. And then when you're evaluating losses, just make sure that you actually know real worst case scenarios um, and that you're okay with those. Because not everything always goes the way that you want it to go. And a, a lot of times I do think that people define worst case scenarios that are probably worse than the actual reality warrants. So just understanding where you are and how you kind of evaluate these things, I think will make you a better risk taker. And like everything in life, it's it's all about balance. So either extreme is a dangerous area to be. Find somewhere in the middle that works for you. And, and your idea of risk is obviously uh, going to be different than everybody else's. And you know, mine, Mike, and Stephanie all have different you know, thresholds for that.
2: He covered a lot of stuff there. Sorry, Uh, uh, he did. He took (laughs) all the (laughs) points. That wasn't very fair. No, that's okay. Um, I I agree, it's a balancing act. I think you do need to take risks and you need to mitigate risks. Uh, Are you a freelancer who's trying to create a niche market with one software? Maybe you just want to focus on the one software. Are you a small company? Maybe you do want to invest in, you know, having some of your employees look at other technologies, work on the trending stuff like JavaScript or Jamstack. You gotta, you gotta really think about what are your goals, and and plan those risks around your goals.
0: I think that's a great way to put it, and I would just add, Jim, because you covered so many things, know, you kind of didn't hit on it. That wasn't fair. But it, no, no, it's great. <laughs> um, it's it's like think about what's the worst case scenario that could happen of making a decision? And if you could handle that level of risk, like if it's what's the worst case, what's the worst thing could happen if you ask for help? Someone's going to turn you down or uh, question why you're asking that question. But if you can deal with that and if you can take that, what would be a loss in that case and still persevere and grow from it, then take that chance.
1: And and I think, you know, what you did there is exactly right. So you, you quantified what that actual worst case is, because I think in your mind, a lot of times, if you're not, clearly defining this stuff it it, it's so much worse than it ever could possibly be right yeah so
0: thank you guys for taking the time to be on the podcast i really appreciate you have a lovely home and thanks for inviting us into it thanks so much mike
2: thanks Thanks. for having us
0: and i want to thank jim fisk and stephanie lulles of janku again for sitting down with me and having that conversation about risks if you want to find out more about their company janku that's j-a-n-t-c-u you can find them at janku.com or on Twitter at Janku tech. Um, I'll put links to their website and their Twitter handles in the show notes, as well as a link to Jamstack. So I just want to distill a couple of the key takeaways I took from that conversation about risk as a developer. So there are two types of risks. There's overt risk and covert risk. Overt risks are risks that are easy to see and easy to measure their outcome. In development, the example of that may be choosing a framework or a language for a certain project. You're going to be able to measure how well you know that framework or that technology and the risk points that are involved with choosing that for your project. Covert risk, or also known as implicit risk, are decisions that take place over a longer amount of time and it's harder to measure. So in development, this would be choosing a technology to pursue as your expertise, or you know, quitting your job and starting your own company like Jim and Stephanie did. So how do you deal with risk as a developer? It's a balancing act. You don't want to be too risky and just choose every risk point you can, and you don't want to be too safe and risk, to lack of a better word, to risk stagnating because you're not taking chances. You want to find a balancing place that's comfortable for you. Where are you comfortable to push yourself a little bit and, and go into the unknown? And the way you do that is just to think about what sort of losses, quote-unquote losses, are you willing to accept for the gains you could you could get from making a tough decision. So those are the takeaways I had from that conversation. But I want to know what what your takeaways are and what you thought. Uh, so you can find the show notes for this episode at up.com slash 25. That's episode 25. And on the show notes page, we have a section for comments and conversations. So go there. Leave your points of view on taking risks as a developer. And if you want to share your further thoughts and opinions about this episode or any episode or just development in general, uh, there's a number of outlets you can use. So there's the website developingup.com that features our full library of recorded episodes with show notes and sections for comments and conversations. You can find us on Twitter at devuppodcast or myself personally at mikemiles86 or send a good old-fashioned email at hello at developingup.com or to me at mike at developingup.com. And I'd greatly appreciate your help in reaching a wider development audience if you could leave a rating and review on itunes or stitcher or google play or wherever you get your podcast it helps other developers find this podcast and get better at their careers so until the next episode i wish you happy developing